All right, welcome to the Data Chaos Podcast. This is going to be a special edition, uh, Data Chaos Bits edition, where we recap the Snowflake Summit from 2023. Two weeks ago today, actually all three of us, that's myself, uh, Nico Acosta, and uh, Dave Ganley, were all at the Snowflake Summit out in Las Vegas. And aside from the unbelievably high production value that that crew put on, we had a ton of takeaways from that conference. Uh, we spent uh, three days learning all about what Snowflake has to offer in their ecosystem, all of the new things they're building, all the cool stuff that their customers are doing, everything around AI, LLMs, and everything else. And we wanted to have a talk, a chance to sit down and talk about it. Guys, what did you think? Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that struck out to me uh, was that. Snowflake clearly had a, a hidden agenda. They wanted to get us fit for the summer. I think <laughs> <laughs> we walked uh, 12 miles a day between between the Caesar Forum and, and the palace. My watch had for a three-day total, three-day total of 31.2 miles walked. That's yeah, uh, pretty incredible. But fitness, fitness aside, one of, one of the things that I think is a, is a game changer and our dynamic tables. They announced them last year as a private preview. They announced them this year as a public preview. And they really simplify the transformation workloads. If, if I had to guess, they're going to be really eating into the transformation tools like dbt. It is just so simple to set up a dynamic table based on a SQL query and just transform your data continuously. I love the feature that they have where you define the lag and you say, hey, I want a one-minute lag or a 60-minute lag. It's it's geared towards that SLA that you want to provide with, with your data. And so very, very excited about that functionality, very excited about being able to chain these dynamic tables together. And yeah, really, really looking forward to seeing where that where that goes. You know, it was an important release simply because the LinkedIn, the Reddit chatter, the debates were immediately raging about like, would you use dynamic tables versus DBT? And, you know, there's a lot of good use cases for continuing to use DBT for different tooling reasons and all sorts. But to your point, it's hard to see how a bunch of workloads won't immediately be easier to to, to grok, understand, and implement if you just use dynamic uh, tables. If you're already doing everything else inside Snowflake, then dynamic tables yeah. can be an obvious choice for your transformation. Well, I was going to say, think if we switched over, right, and all we did was dynamic tables. I mean, that cuts out kind of an entire service that we have to run today that we're running in Fargate. And, you know, we get everything that we need, all the benefit of, you know, being able to decorate those tables, expand those tables out, and really wouldn't change our workflow much other than we kind of cut out an entire service. Yeah, that's right. And I, I attended the talk um, by two of the engineers that built dynamic tables, and they went into the detail on how they handle the incremental, uh, the incremental updates. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing. And it's a worthwhile watch when those when those talks come out. No, the talks, I mean, the whole talk kind of like, they had so many of them set up. I mean, it went everything from, hey, here's the intro to kind of Snowflake, which was pretty basic, to, hey, let's build APIs on top of your Snowflake, to the inner workings of the dynamic tables. I mean, again, the value you get out of that conference, I felt, was was very high. 
I definitely walked away after not going to a, a conference. I think the last one I went to was was definitely a Twilio signal many years ago. Um, and then obviously COVID and getting to go back to that, uh, that was a really nice uh, entry point back into the, the conference world. So uh, definitely enjoyed it. I think the other thing that was talked about heavily was LOMs and AI and the partnerships that they now announced with NVIDIA. I know on Monday they did a, um, a fireside chat with the two CEOs of, of Snowflake and NVIDIA that was obviously well attended and definitely got a lot of fanfare. Dave, what'd you see there uh, take away from sort of the LLM and, and AI side of the house? Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it, it's impossible to do a conference right now without, you know, speaking heavily about AI and, and everything else. But obviously for Snowflake, the CEO made it really clear that the, the whole strategy is if, if the data is inside Snowflake, then it makes it obvious that that's where you're going to do your machine learning. That's where you're going to build your large models. And the NVIDIA partnership is a big kind of foundational piece. I mean, that's what the framework does, right? It's the foundational models. Uh, it's the GPUs that you need to build things with reasonable speed. So that's a key pillar. We also saw, you know, kind of the more kind of dev tooly kind of whiz bang demos as well they did you know they did the uh the one i loved was the kind of github copilot type style where you're in the sql editor you drop a comment saying you know give me sales over the last year for each city and then it spits out the the generated sql and then it, all you have to do hopefully is just hit run or maybe tweak it the other one that was super interesting was the document ai the kind of unstructured uh, I think I think they acquired. They, they spoke about this in the keynote. They acquired a startup. I think it was called. I, I wrote it down in my notes. Applica, and kind of analyzing structured data. So the demo they showed was was super impressive, right? So a whole bunch of PDFs are are literally scanned and uploaded and stored, and then they were running ML models to literally either run queries and then inspect the PDFs fast enough and then return that or just process all of the data in the PDFs ahead of time and bring it into Snowflake tables. So there was a lot on display. And I think, yeah, the, the, the kind of strategic premise is completely sound, right? You already are making Snowflake your source of truth. You're ingesting tons of disparate types of data into Snowflake. So where are you, where are you, where are you best place to build your models? Instead of going out to a whole bunch of third-party systems, a whole bunch of third-party tools, the more of that they can enable on top of Snowflake so you can actually build, train, get everything set up. It makes perfect sense. So inevitable, but also like super exciting and um, an, an awful lot of use cases unlocked with what they announced. Yeah, I mean, I thought those talking tracks that they they presented were enviable in the fact that there was just some really cool tech, you know, being displayed that, you know, I'm sure it's not here quite yet. It's, you know, most of the things we always see at conferences are kind of, you know, a little bit in the future, not too far. Um, but if it's as close as it was that we saw, I'm looking forward to seeing those come out. Yeah, what I loved about it, just to kind of re- really put a finer point on it, it's just, just the way they presented it is like, you are on a consolidation journey. You are getting your data into Snowflake. Snowflake's a great place to land your data. You're going to get to this step. We know you are. We know you're all going to be building these models. We know you're super interested. And so it just fits with what people who attended the conference were already thinking. It's what their bosses were asking them about, right? So they can go back now and say, yep, you know, getting on a Snowflake, that being our source of truth is a, is a solid call because 
we know all this, you know, ML training work, uh, tr- workloads and, and use cases and tooling is coming to Snowflake itself. So it's a good bet for their own features. And then the other narrative that was weaved pretty much throughout the, the two days of the big keynotes was data apps and the huge prevalence of data apps being built and visualized using Streamlit. Um, I feel like that was in a whole bunch of the demos. It was definitely in that big demo where they they brought in these this Snowflake employees to act to to be actors, uh, which was amazing. I thought they did a phenomenal job, but that was really cool because they were actually solving problems that we probably all solved at one point or had to deal with in our own careers, and them acting it out live on stage and then building a a full solution in, in Streamlit was was pretty amazing. Yeah, and if you if you play that out, you fast forward a couple of years, right? And you say, where, where can this go? And you could imagine a world where BI tools are built by data teams, right? And that they're, they're smaller apps, they're purposes specific, right? There may be like a small like budgeting app or a small like sales compensation calculator or a uh, headcount whatever right or a sales report that that are just built by the data team the data team already knows python they might not have front end skills but streamlit solves that right it's uh, built on top of on top of snowflake and one of the things that you you they mentioned that they, I think they didn't quite make it, was the hosting of Streamlit yeah. apps. And yeah. they, they were probably pushing really hard to, to get that. But you know it's, it's coming, right? And once that's there, you just give a user access to an app, right? And I thought about, I thought they I think they actually they talked about it even being easier than that once it's hosted. So I thought one of the things that they had done was they'd built the app, they'd had the visualization in Streamlit, and then they wanted to share it by sending a link. Yeah, like I thought it was I thought it was that simple. Like that I thought that was insanely powerful because you yeah. can think of the the ad hoc question coming in about the data from somewhere high above yeah. the the data engineer quickly you know, writing the sequel to do all that stuff in their notebook, visualizing it in Streamlit and going share to, you know, CEO at companyx.com. Boom, there it is. Yeah. And I thought and that that's was pretty sort of powerful. A, that was very powerful. And and you contrast that with kind of buying like an old school traditional BI tool that is paid by the seed that it has like these kind of clunky dashboards. Um, I don't know. I, I, if if I, if I had to guess, I would I would bet more on like very granular, purpose built apps that are shared that solve a specific thing, and yeah, the, and then just being being a ton of them. The the penny drop in the demos, the the live acted as you say, Tyler, the the stage show or the 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 theater presentation. Um, was the bit where, yeah, they brought the Streamlit app back to the stakeholder, but along with UI controls so that they could adjust it. So it's not just sending the link to the CEO and the CEO gets the graph of, you know, last week's sales, but they also get some level of control. And that's why, to Nico's point, that bespoke app where you're giving the end user who gets that link, the um, not just a static graph that gets rendered, 
or they have to go edit some SQL to change that, but you're giving them some level of extra control and, and user interface so that they can quickly edit it without any SQL, touching any SQL at all. So yeah, seems like it unlocks kind of a, a all the way through to the front end in a very modern way, but for a data, data team who don't necessarily have those skills at all um, to kind of get all those components working together. So that's really nice. I know watching all of that, like I got excited for, you know, the, the, the BI teams, the data engineering teams. Um, but I was a little bit, I don't know if I want to say the word saddened, but I was, I was more like, okay, well, what about the customer? And, you know, you've got all these very cool tools inside and all these new capabilities unlocking it for a lot of internal use cases. But I still felt the one thing that was lacking is how do I take my Snowflake data and unlock that data, build apps on top of that and ship that to my actual customer in the form of like customer facing analytics and, and dashboards and, and anything else like that. That just, I still don't think they're there yet. Yeah, so when, when you look at it, I, I think we, we all attended all the sessions about the SQL API, the Snowflake's API. I think a couple of takeaways, they, they were all packed. Right, and they were packed with with people like with like enterprise folks, with like software company people, and, and looking to uh, empower other teams in their organization to build with data, right, and and to expose that data in their customer facing web and mobile apps, right, and what was clear um, from those songs is that there's just still a lot of things that you need to do. Uh, they even recommended against uh, using the Snowflake grants and authentication methods for multi-tenant uh, customer-facing use cases because you still need to build a ton of logic and you don't have fine-grained control over, over the access. It recommended installing a cache to support high concurrency and, and, and reduce the latency. They recommended adding an intermediate service. And, and you could see it in the audience. It's like, gosh, that's... The API is very simple, but that's that's a lot of things I need to do to be able to kind of have a have an API for for the rest of the teams in 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 the org to to use the data and in customer facing settings. No, I mean I feel like I felt that pain as as you know we all attended uh, Brad Culberson's talk on building a REST API over your Snowflake data. You know he's a uh, part of the field CTO office. He's a principal architect there. And he gave a two-hour presentation on how to build that. And I swear we sat through the first 30-plus minutes of that, of how hard it was to do. Like, he went through all of the steps of all the things you need to do. He talked about Cognito. He talked about AWS API Gateway. He talked about Flask. He talked about getting your routes correct, getting permissions correct. And I mean, there was just so much stuff. And you had to do that a lot. Of, most of that was all outside of Snowflake that you had to do. It was, it was a pretty heavy lift to get all of that done. I was an extremely well attended talk, and uh, you could you could see there's huge appetite for this, and it was great to see. But at the same time, it's not an easy thing to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. The the way I thought about that was that you know it, it was a great talk, it was a great presentation, and it was a great hands on lab. Right, they had a quick start ready for folks to get started. People were working directly on their laptops. Kind of reminded me of the Twilio Super Class uh, demos we mm -hmm. used to do back in the day. It was really good. And I thought about the the folks, the developers who came out of that class with that prototype sitting on their laptop. And they bring that to their CTO, their director of engineering. 
their product people and they say, check it out. Here's here's a, a real API. I, I did you know I did the Flask setup. I did the I got some of the authentication stuff working uh, as basic methods. And they go, this is great. This is you know customer facing analytics. This is uh, something we need. And then they go, yeah, okay. Well, what does it take to put that in production? And they're ah, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. And that's what the first you know. Uh, 30 minutes or so, like you said, Tyler, was about, was like, there's a lot here that you need to consider. There's a lot to, a lot of technologies to choose. There's a lot of trade-offs to consider about how you're going to do authentication, how you're going to model your data, how you're going to present it to customers, you know, all the way up to the UIs. Um, so yeah, I just think of that conversation when you bring that demo, it's a great, it's a great demo. It's a great, it's great starting points, but you've actually still got a quite a sizable gap to bring that. Whereas some of the other Snowflake announcements were very much like, oh, that just that just makes my workload easier. My day is now easier. The second that gets from public, you know, to a public preview or to a GA moment, that feature makes me X percent faster. That AI API stuff, sorry, excuse me, API stuff was more a starting point, but there's still a lot of work to do. So it's clear that people were going to walk out of that thing with a great demo, but they needed quite a few more steps to get where they needed to go. Without a doubt. So um Let's switch gears. Favorite happy hour that you attended? Which one was it? Because <laughs> there were a shit ton of those. Oh my God, there were too many to go to. That was crazy. Nico? <laughs> Which was the favorite? Uh, I actually really liked the the DBT pH data one and the rooftop in... Beer uh, Park. Beer Park, that Paris yeah. area. That was a nice, that was a nice setting. Uh, very well attended. It's just like refreshing to be outdoor. Yeah, I thought that one was packed. I mean, it was it was good. It was super well attended. But I mean, I think outdoors and and that venue, you know, wasn't super hot. Sure, it was in the nineties, but it was still a great day. I enjoyed that one as well. But the one that we were at previous to that, I felt we had a lot of of really good conversations until it just got too packed. Yeah, because then you couldn't hear anything. Like it was insane in there. Like it got. I mean, the the decibel levels. Like everybody's screaming at each other. It's just you you can only you can only sort of talk about things so much until you're just kind of staring at each other, drinking beer. Yeah, the um, the beer park one that happened to me when I don't know if you noticed, I snuck off to the. I think I'm at the right one. The giant chess set in the corner. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, that's that's the right one. There's a lot of overlap between very talented data engineering type folks and. People who are confident about their chess playing. So that was that was pretty fun. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that, but I don't know if that's, that's a good takeaway. We well, need to, I think or, you you escaped that conversation well. So uh, <laughs> could have, things, things could have things could have uh, happened differently. But glad you uh, got out of there. Honestly, yourself. All, all credit to the folks who sponsored those. They were well put together. You know, just the basics of getting people in through the door, checking people's badges. It was already well done. Really nice people from. I think we went to one of. We met a lot of folks from Census. They're just genuinely lovely people chat to. Um, yeah, uh, all kudos to, to folks putting on those events. It was really well done. They were very well done. Definitely uh, appreciated those as well. Get out of the the, the, the expo hall and, and, and go check also those things heat. out. Even the outdoor one, they managed somehow to keep us all reasonably cool, uh, both with drinks, which was lovely, but also just like blasting us with cold water. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the, the Vegas heat was was a lot. So any regrets, Nico, on having not having a booth versus the guerrilla marketing approach that we took of walking around with our, I hopefully are now famous shirts uh, that said, you know, yeah. ask me about my API and GraphQL, your SQL or Snowflake. 
No, no regrets. I think it is a, I would, especially like the the smaller booths. I would say it's a it's a toss up. Yeah. If you if you get a good location on the small booth, you you're golden. If you get a bad location, uh, it's kind of worthless. If you're like towards the back, uh, nobody's walking there. Like it's really hard to be in the in the flow of people, and so some. It's my takeaway that is is that was that like small booths were a toss up whether they were valuable or not highly dependent on on location. The medium booths um, seem to be all very well located. Um, you could see, uh, I think uh, Twilio killed it with their booth. They had a line all the time. Really strong play there. That was a medium booth. They did. They were able to execute like impeccably yeah you seem to like the medium boost to get value high value and high draw you had to have some sort of like um like a gimmick right it had to be a gimmick other than just coming to talk about the tech i mean obviously they're all there to talk about tech i like what the twilio segment of folks did you had to sign up and answer a few questions and then you got like a laser etched uh water bottle which was really cool, and there they had that line out there the whole time. I, you know, they told us they got in a little bit of trouble from the snowflake people were kind of policing them because they were, you know, blocking the aisles and everything like that. But you know, if you're Twilio Sigmund, you're pretty happy about that. That's you, you've done well. Yeah, I, I would run through all of the cool booth gimmicks I saw, like the the nice nice kind of things people are handing out. I'm I'm nervous though because if I mention the things I I thought were the best, I may not also remember the company. Right, because because some of the things were so distracting and cool that you kind of went, "What's this?" and "What's going on?" But to the meat of your question, Tyler, like, um, you know, it was great to meet so many partners. Uh, it was it was great. So I felt like being mobile, walking through, doing a balance between like, "Hey, I'll go check out," you know, that quadrant of booths, and then, "Hey, I've got a talk," you know, in in in, in an hour, I want to get to. It worked really well as a you know except for maybe the aforementioned <laughs> hike between uh, Forum and Palace. But I think for us, you know, getting, getting the, oh, and the t-shirts, got to gotta highlight that. I don't know how many, you, you know, I, I mentioned a potential customer just stopping me and saying, oh yeah, okay, well, tell me then, right? So, you know, tell me about the API. Tell me what's, you know, just literally pointing at the t-shirt and saying, cool, explain it, which is exactly what we wanted, so. I think that was fun. Yeah, I definitely had bites on both sides of the T-shirt. So we were, Nico and I were in the big lunch tent and there was a gentleman walking in front of me. Uh, all of a sudden he stops, turn around, he goes, all right, I'll ask about it. Tell me about your API. <laughs> and then that was that was like a 15-minute discussion after that and handed out a few stickers and that was great. And then the other one, I was standing in line waiting to go into Brad's API talk and a woman walked by me and said, I love GraphQL. She's like GraphQL over my Snowflake. That'd be amazing. And so she got some. She got some stickers as well. She was very excited about it. So yeah, it definitely was nice to to stand out and have some good uh, some marketing slogans on our shirts. Back to the tech. I think my the thing that I walked away with that I'm most excited about from a potential standpoint is the Snowpark container services. I think those have the potential to be a game changer for a lot of people of bringing the applications to the data versus bringing the data to the apps um, and sort of flipping that whole thing on its head. 
I look forward to hopefully getting early access to that so we can start to build and see how our services and the, everything that we've built that you know is currently running in AWS and is already containerized, how fast can we sort of spin up our API and uh, you know the platform that we need and get that right next to uh, a customer's data? Yeah, that's that was one of the big themes, right? Bringing bringing the the apps to to the data, and it, it's a really powerful idea, right? It applies to 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 all sorts of apps. It applies to AI and ML, and I think when you when you kind of distill that is is that the data has like a a really strong uh, gravitational uh, pull, right? Um, where if you if you if you think about it like there's there's a a family of apps that need to be moved where the data is right and for example the the our platform our propel api platform i guess you said like we're eager to play around with the snowpark containers and deploy them so that enterprises can deploy the Propel API layer on top of their Snowflake data within kind of the boundaries of their Snowflake account, right? Yep. Absolutely. And then for everything else, right? There are there are apps that you cannot move to the data, right? Imagine like Shopify. Shopify, it's it's something or Salesforce or whatever. all these. For everything else, there's an API, right? <laughs> so um, it's it's a um, it's a way to to unlock new new workloads, right? Do you think? Do you think so? If you imagine imagine if we had taken that route from the very beginning, because that existed, would you even have to do SOC two? You could almost you could almost be like, probably, I don't need it. What do I need? Probably it for? not. Right? <laughs> I don't touch your data. It's over here. It's in your own. It's in your own. Uh, you know, your own instance. Your own. Your own cloud, more or less. Yeah, probably not. Right? You. And then a lot of the a lot of the compliance, and then just the fact that like you can apply all the same like Snowflake policies, say like the access policies for IPs, right? It's like all of that applies to your Snowpark containers. So like you're within the walls of the organization, and that's that's really a, a game changer with very say with a very Simplified operational model. It's not like, hey, we're going to run this like super complicated Kubernetes cluster that you'll need two engineers to maintain and to monitor. And like, they've, they've done a nice job simplifying that. And when you look at the container services, like they they boil down the services, the jobs, and the service functions, right? So like, you can deploy kind of like Fargate type jobs. You can deploy Lambda type workloads. You can deploy continuously running services. Um, so very excited about those those possibilities. Yeah, I'm super interested if they're going to take sort of, you know, a, a declarative language approach to, um, you know, orchestrating those services and, and what that looks like. I heard some mention of like a SQL-like kind yeah. of, I, I'd be interested they, they, to see. They demoed it, a SQL-like kind of like create service with all your parameters with, but I think the, the core building blocks are a, an image registry that you pull from, right? And and then the the manifest that describes what to do. So 
yes, it is SQL, <laughs> but there is some Kubernetes like YAML uh, that you just can't jam it all into SQL, that you'll need that manifest file. And just a nerd egg for a while, right? Like we were at Twilio, we all did developer experience at first, various times we all worked on those kind of problems. It's really nice to see, you know, the evolution of, of the platform approaches. So, you know, you think back to Salesforce being the no software paradigm and all the different ways that they approached the like, let's get people's apps onto Salesforce or connected to Salesforce. And now we're seeing, you know, a modern public company's approach to, okay, well, how can we bring those apps onto our platform? And I just love that it's, yeah, it's containers. You can run what you want. We can run it in a, you know, a walled garden. We can have security and compliance taken care of. We can simplify it. There'll probably be some YAML somewhere, but it hopefully it'll be straightforward. It's just a really nice, you know, the whole industry has gotten used to this deployment model. We use containers. I don't, you know, everyone I know uses containers for, for a lot of, a lot of different purposes and use cases. So like, it's really, it's just really nice uh, logical evolution, and it feels like a very clean way. Obviously, there'll be trade-offs. Obviously, there's going to be gotchas. There always is with any platform, but it does feel like a very exciting uh, thing. And, and then, by the way, that the way they demoed it was a very w- good way to show that excitement. They had, they had like what 10, 10 people standing behind the stage. They they did a ten people demoing at once. Uh, like running different apps and they, they had like a 10 screen kind of zoom screen with 10, 10 video streams of, of, of different screens, different laptops showing 10 different applications, all very different to each other. Yeah. So, so, you know, super excited to explore it, particularly for us, for Propel. I think there's an obvious fit there, but lots to, to learn and, and look into. I forgot how bananas that demo was where, you know, you had, <laughs> I think you had the, the one dev advocate up there you know, that had been doing all the stuff that was, you know, wearing the snow goggles and everything the whole yeah. time. And it was like the the screens behind them were all perfectly opaque. You couldn't see anything. Then all of a sudden they went translucent to a degree. Yeah. And there were all these people behind there running demos. And then they started showing them all on the screen. And that that was that was pretty incredible. Yeah, the the they started with hex. They showed hex on as running entirely containerized, including the whole kind of notebook style UI. I think they showed it like connected running on running with a notebook with um, NVIDIA GPUs as well. So demonstrating again the connectivity, you know, the partnership that they've just done. But, you know, that was whiz-bang enough, right? Like, wow, they're running the whole of Hex inside a container inside the Snowflake platform. But then, yeah, they just kind of upped the ante one more time with, uh, let's, what was it? Let's not just show one more demo. How many do you want? And then they yeah, they did want, 10. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's do 12. Let's do 1,000. No, they did 10. Yeah. They pulled it off and they all worked. So it was very cool. All right, let's go prediction time. And first prediction will go, Nico. Does Propel have a booth next year at Summit 24? Mm. <laughs> That's a good one. I would, I would, would venture to say that we, we do. I, I, I wouldn't predict the size of the booth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but the biggest one. The biggest one. The biggest one. <laughs> um, but. I would say that we do. I think the where we see our platform going, where we see Snowflake going with container services, where we see the community going is just incredibly well aligned. And I think it, it makes it makes sense for, for us to to start having a, a bigger presence there. I mean, it, is a, it was a great ecosystem to interact with. It was a great ecosystem to talk about a number of the problems that we help 
our customers solve. It was a great ecosystem to learn. And I saw that next year, they're going back to San Francisco. So they're doing Moscone. Oh, wow. Okay. That's that'll cool. be that'll be very different. That would be a uh, very different, uh, yeah, a very different type of yeah. Going from like all the chaos that is Vegas to San Francisco Moscone. That's uh, that's a very diff- different atmosphere. Yeah, very different atmosphere. Uh, probably less hangovers, I bet, in the mornings for many people. But then again, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there was definitely some some folks that were hurting. I think it was on uh, Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, was it the developer one? Dave, what about you? Predictions? Oh, just the the one of the things we talked about previously before this was the the kind of the app marketplace aspect. We talked about the container services, but the actual kind of the you know having that app marketplace much more built into the Snowflake experience. It's going to change how a lot of those data B two B companies approach distribution. If you're inside the Snowflake ecosystem, you kind of be part of that. Snowflake themselves on the stage, we're talking about like monetization, right? They have monetization tools built into the kind of the app platform now. So yeah, predictions you're going to see, you know, you know, we talked in the past, we talked about like when did Salesforce get its first company built on top of Salesforce that hit IPO, right? It feels like that's going to be what we'll see with Snowflake in the future is startups that are started and exist only inside this marketplace, inside Snowflake, becoming million-dollar and then billion-dollar companies in themselves. And you made the joke earlier about SOC 2 and compliance. Yeah, like you start a startup inside this ecosystem, you know, you immediately get that distribution. You immediately don't have to think as hard or you know in depth about compliance. You, you immediately have a different way. So I would be surprised that we don't see. And I think they already showed, you know, the early earliest adopter. They had a they had a guy on stage from a startup who was like only available in the marketplace. So I, I, it's a no brainer that we're going to see more of that. And I think we're going to see highly successful companies in that and kind of change how people build their companies. Yeah, the the advent of the new apps that are going to be built in those containers going to be the native apps that are going to be able to bring all of this. You know, power of generative AI and everything else across all of your data is going to be pretty interesting. And then tying that all into Streamlit and tying it into, you know, the other possibilities of, of you know, visualization tools and then the applications that now become part of the customer-facing fabric, I, I think is going to be super exciting and watch how all that grows. Yeah, you know, you know when, when a marketplace like that works, when you have a solo founder... Yeah. That became a millionaire with their yeah. app on the marketplace. <laughs> it's it's not that dissimilar. I mean, it's a different space, but it's it's, it's the paradigm of like the app stores, you know, like the iPhone, mm-hmm. and else like it, it fits there. Where you'll see these early adopters who get traction really quickly, and then over time, you're going to see the really sophisticated players getting involved. Probably a lot of the, I'm assuming, a lot of the financial, you know, we, we saw a lot of financial institutions there either with booths or just talking about their you know snowflake installations so the just within that one vertical of financial institutions sharing data building these native apps you're going to see this explosion i assume and, and I'm, I'm assuming snowflake already has people knocking at the door to to get in get into all these um previews i think there's one final thing to discuss and it was the picture dave that you shared on the the final evening of that massive vegan burger that you tracked down. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was incredible. Yeah, so so 
I think you know Vegas is famous for having really good food. There's loads of really good res- restaurants, but I think most of it is is mostly catered to the kind of more mainstream. So you know Gordon Ramsay, but all these delicious things. And so I set off on a quest to find a amazing vegan restaurant, which took me away from the Strip, which took me in an Uber. 15 minutes away into northern LA, but I did end up with a possibly the largest, the photo did not do it justice, like maybe as larger, I have a large head, I think, but larger than my head, <laughs> uh, which no one believed me was vegan, which is also a win, right? Because you know, you, yep. you literally thought that looked like a very good bacon cheeseburger with like three or four patties in it, but actually it was uh, completely vegan. It was massive. And from the picture, when I saw it the next, I was like, you could not tell. It was near impossible to tell that that was vegan. It had all the fixings. It looked 100% <laughs> legit. Yeah. And uh, I, I would eat it. I would, I, would, I would go out on a limb and I would give it a try. I think, it, yeah. I bet you it's pretty good. If you're watching, I do not remember the name of the restaurant, which is a terrible faux pas for this podcast. If you're watching or listening to this and you want the name, like drop a comment on the LinkedIn and I will send you, I will drop the actual restaurant name because I feel really guilty that I went in pursuit of this thing. I found it and now I can't remember the name of the restaurant because you caught me off guard with that amazing last question. <laughs> you know, that's the point of the podcast, right? Of, of being the host. I've got to do that every once in a while. Throw you a curveball, make it, in, make it, uh, you know, make it tough for you. Uh, I, know, I actually had a it's fun. <laughs> 95% data, 5% where does Dave get his vegan burgers. I get it. Vegan burgers from. It's perfect. <laughs> and on that note, we should probably wrap this up. Otherwise, we'll, I don't know, maybe get into what was our favorite steak, but you know, there's so many. You, had a pre- you guys, you guys pretty much had the, some pretty amazing steaks. I, I was party to that. So yeah, some good Vegas steaks were had. Yeah. The food in Vegas is always amazing and there's just so much of it and it's easy to walk right in. I, I, I fear like when it's at Moscone next year, you're going to have to get reservations way in advance. There's yeah. no way to get the good yeah. stuff. You'll be, you'll be kind yeah. of uh, shit Thanks out of luck. So, well, perfect gentlemen. That was a lot of fun. I'm very happy that uh, we all got to go to uh, the summit this year and got to interact with uh, our customers and potential customers and future customers and other folks that want to build amazing apps on top of their snowflake data and look forward to what we can do for them in the future, specifically on snowpark containers. I think that's gonna be a lot of fun and look forward to it. So thanks for joining me on this version or this episode of the Data Chaos. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you. Thanks a lot.